Welcome to Unsalted Dry Roasted. Show, Welcome. <laughs> Cheers. Wine. So last time we ended with a couple strange topics. Well, not strange, just strange that that's where we ended. Was that at the end? Well, at the end, I said next time we'll talk about the origins of Christmas and rape statistics. Those are weird things to put together. Yes. But that's how conversations go. They just jump around and shit happens. And so we're not going to change any of that. So we'll start with the origins of Christmas. A little bit anyway. I've discovered that it's like a re- that'd be like a really deep conversation. And neither of us are historians. <laughs> so I don't know how well that would go. Because it's like, well, there's all the religious connotation and like everything that came before the Christians, right? Because as far as I know, a lot of Christianity is, a lot of it was taken from pagan religions from before Christianity. Because you got to think a large religion, a large religious sect is going to be some sort of conglomeration of previous religious ideas, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and to like give you an idea of that, it's like you can think about like way back, further back, is when it comes down to tribal warfare. It's like one tribe has their ideas and another tribe has their ideas, and one tribe murders all the other tribe members. But anything they see valuable there, they're going to take with them. And that can become a part of their religious ideas. And over time, it's like these, these gods and religious themes and, and stories and fairy tales, you know, they go through generation and generation and generation. And they sort of like pack on top of each other, you know. And the larger religions start just taking whatever they want and sticking it into their own if they think it's valuable. So to go down the Christianity path of like, why does Christmas have a religious connotation aside from Jesus? Good Lord. <laughs> it just seems like a lot. You already went far back. So, so there's, all, there's all that in my perspective. But we also were like, okay, well, where does Santa Claus come from? And why, like, why do we tell our kids that Santa Claus like delivers gifts and shit. And I don't know about that, but the according to Britannica, the Dutch brought the legend of Saint Nicholas, Santa Claus, to America. Um and originally the custom of giving gifts for in regards to this legend was December sixth. So somewhere along the line, that 
legend and that story and that custom became a part of Christmas. Mm-hmm. Right? But St. Nicholas was a real saint. Oh, was he? Okay. I'm so he was a real sure. person. Yeah, and he was he would go door to door. And give gifts. I think so. Well, you gotta think, like most legends and stories, they start they might become fantastic later. Mm-hmm. But they start with a person, a real person that did something. Right? That's how we build up these archetypes of these characters that we fall in love with. Mm-hmm. So now Santa Claus is Santa Claus, but started from what was probably a real person, this Saint Nicholas. I love the word fantastic. It's a good word. We don't use it right. Well, Fantasy. Fantastic, yeah. right? We're like, fantastic, that's great. That's fantastic. Fantastical. But yeah, fantastic is like the fantastic. Fantasy aspect. Yes. Yes. Right? You want you want to write about the fantastic. You want to sing about the fantastic, right? Fantastical word? Is fantastical? I don't believe it is. Fantastical. Are you sure? For our purposes, it can be a word. Hmm. For our purposes, let's make it a word. Fantastical. We could have named our podcast that. <laughs> so Okay, so anyway. Let's get... That's where the holiday came to North America, apparently. And the current depiction of Santa Claus comes from Harper's Weekly in 1863, apparently. So there was a cartoonist named Thomas Nast who did these illustrations of this St. Nicholas for Harper's Weekly, which was a magazine. And he got his ideas for his cartoons from a poem called Visit from St. Nicholas, also known as Twas the Night Before Christmas, which was published in 1823. So we're talking early 1800s is where the current depiction of Santa Claus comes from. I would like to read that. I'm sure I'm sure it has changed. And then but a hundred years after that is when Coca-Cola started their campaigns to sell coke and they made santa claus like an even fatter jollier red-faced dude yeah red for coca so those early 1930s ads from coca-cola like made it even more of a popular thing that's why some people celebrate on the 21st on solstice does they just view the 25th as such a marketing consumerism nightmare yeah. I mean, that is one problem with, I guess you could call, you could say that's a problem of capitalism where things become too market driven. And instead of Christmas being a holiday of family, friends, you know, rejoicing, reflection, the real purpose of a year's end, why else would you? What would be the purpose of keeping time, counting days, counting months, counting years? Why bother if there's no reflective purpose? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the gift giving is a weird thing, right? Because it makes you feel good. And, you know, I like 
giving gifts to people and I like planning them out and organizing mm-hmm. them and stuff. But really, there's always you're like, oh, I, don't know, I have to get a gift for that person. <laughs> it's overwhelming it it gets overwhelming and it's like it's not what it's about but what are you gonna do not get a gift for that one person because you don't know what to get them you can't do that it becomes this and that's that's how it becomes this Mm -hmm. driven thing where you just have to go find something yeah i hate that i know it's exhausting that's why i typically elect to not get anything for anyone except for the children that i know Mm -hmm. right Mm-hmm. And then spend time with family. That's it. That's all I want to do. Yeah, that's that's. I don't want to work. I want time off. I want like two weeks off. I just want to hang out with family. That's it. I'm going to sleep in, drink too much, relax. Probably not drink too no, much. Okay. Who are we kidding? But it's sad this year with the pandemic because you can't really gather or you're not supposed to. We have a pillar. Gonna, we're going to do it anyway. Yeah, people but gonna do it huge anyway. groups. Some people won't because they're scared or worried and... Uh, I think a lot of people are trying to make up for the sadness around that by giving more gifts. You think that's going to happen? I think it's already happening. They have too much time and they're at home and they're stuck and they want to make people feel good that they care about. And it's nice. The intention's nice. Yeah. For sure. I like receiving gifts. I get it. But it's also sad because it's it's not going to replace being with (coughs) somebody. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, and it's easy to send gifts, right? There's so many different ways you can do that these days, be it through, well, yeah. a, through Amazon or, or whatever you're going to do, right? It's pretty easy to make that happen, you know? Yeah, which and is also bad because then what, what like if you get so many and then you're, you're, just, you're like a little kid just tossing them aside. You're like, what's next? What's next? Yeah. That's what our world becomes. <laughs> Are you supposed to well, appreciate? It's, it's already there. It's already there. That's already a problem, at least in North America, right? Pretty heartbreaking. Overabundance for a lot of people, you know. But it's like, where did the, you know, where did gift giving come from? Aside from just simple reciprocity, survival benefits, like aside from that, because we have all these holidays that are typically based around, you know, I mean, you can think Thanksgiving and things like that, like that's the end of the harvest year and, you know, you have a feast Mm -hmm. and you give thanks and hope that you make it through the the winter, right, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know. And then there's simply the religious holidays where you're sort of appreciating the source of your beliefs and values, right? Because if you're a Christian, then Christmas is, in part, you're giving thanks to Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, right? Mm -hmm. That's where your beliefs and values come from is from that religion so you're giving thanks to the religion Mm -hmm. right so there's like the religious side of that and the other side of holidays is like they're seasonal it's what it seems like to me you know yeah just excuses to celebrate (laughs) but good excuses good excuses and it's hard to see that when 
you know the majority of your society is pretty well off in comparison at least right mm -hmm. you know to the past which I mean that's a tough conversation to have because there's a lot of people still struggling even in countries where things are actually pretty damn good there's still lots of people living in the gutter man yeah but it's still like when would you rather be born now or 200 years ago people would invariably pick now <laughs> if you had the broad perspective on things right yeah yeah of course but i mean i guess that's um depends on the context where where would you be born because there's plenty of countries that are still war-torn unfortunately so that's that's pretty scary you know right anyway <laughs> i was gonna talk about december 6th a little more yes because my heritage is swiss and in switzerland they still celebrate um Sammy Klaus dog is Santa Day on December 6th. Which is the St. Nicholas holiday that we were just talking yeah. about. Yeah. Right. And so this, I mean, sort of a fictional character based on a real person would go around and hand out gifts from a bag. Like oranges and nuts and small little treats. And on actual... Christmas Eve? Like, they celebrate on the 24th as well, more so than the 25th. The 25th is almost like their Boxing Day. Right. And they don't really, like, that's... Santa is not involved in those days. Like, they don't... You know, like in North America where he comes down the chimney and gives a bunch of gifts? Like, that doesn't yeah. exist there. Yeah, that's our thing. That's our thing. It's North American, at largely. <coughs> um, or solely, even. Santa in South America? I'm trying to think. <laughs> yeah. Yes, okay. Yeah. Then the Americas. <laughs> I mean, it's not all Christian, but it's very Christian because, uh, as far as I know, because just a little bit of a tangent, like the South Americas, um, you know, were taken over by the Spanish and they were Christians. Right. Right. So I believe it's mostly Christian now, similar to the way that North America was taken over by Europeans, mm -hmm. and now it's mostly Christian. Whereas the South Americas were taken over by the Spanish, and they were Christian, so it's mostly Christian. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> so in that way, it's it's similar. That's all. Mm -hmm. So I don't know the de the details if it's any different have some friends I could ask yeah well regardless <coughs> it's, yeah it's a separate thing celebrated on a separate yeah, day you know it's like here it's like the 25th is like that's the the day the big kahuna <coughs> the kahuna which in a lot of ways is cool though you know like I have like Christmas was awesome as a kid for me and so I'm, I'm like having a weird parental dilemma 
because my Christmases were always extravagant to the point of what I see now as like financial strife for my parents. <laughs> and I didn't know that till I was older, but my mom told me when I was in my 20s that like, yeah, they always went into debt for Christmas. And it was just like this huge end of year event right from Christmas Eve all the way to New Year's. Christmas Eve was a big event. We always had people over and it was so exciting for me as a kid. And I have these memories of our living room and like all the candles were lit and like all the lights are off. So the only light in pretty much the whole house other than the kitchen, because my mom's in there baking like a maniac and doing her thing. But in the living room, she's got all the snacks out. And I was allowed to sit on the couch and watch out the big front window and eat the snacks and wait for company to show up every year. <laughs> you were allowed. Yeah. And so me and my sister would just hang out in the living room and we'd like talk and be like, what do you think is going to happen tonight? <laughs> because like you don't, you don't really get it, but it's like it's always exciting because there's all these adults coming over and they're your parents' friends, but some of your friends might be coming over too and it's like this exciting event and, mm -hmm. you know. So that was Christmas Eve, and we were always allowed to open one gift on Christmas Eve, which was usually pajamas. That was like our um, tradition. And then Christmas Day was like a huge deal. We'd have like 10 million presents to open, which is a bit absurd, but it was so fun. <laughs> and I was the type of kid that relished every gift, you know, somehow my parents managed to instill that in me i wasn't like the rip this gift open and just oh, i just want to rip all these gifts open i don't really give a shit about anything <laughs> somehow they managed to like instill that appreciation in me that it's like you know some people don't get any gifts yeah you know and so that was always really cool for me and then we'd go celebrate at my grandparents house you know, like with that, we'd always go have dinner there. And it was always cool because it's like you'd go there and you'd see some of your cousins and your aunts and uncles if they were in town because most of them lived out of country. But some, at least somebody would be there every year. So it'd be like 20 people there for dinner and you'd bring some of your Christmas gifts. You're like, this is what I got. And, you know, it was like this huge. Which one should I bring? It was this huge gathering all the time. And it was so exciting. So I have all these like beautiful memories of Christmas for so many years for so many years so and so I guess my point is the dilemma here is like well I mean our baby's so young still so it's like get her like one or two things she doesn't even know what's happening but in the future like are we going to go into debt for the same purposes you know I mean, what I mean? I like, wouldn't. oh my goodness. I I'm don't more think I of a do that. Christmas season person, so it's a little nicer because I can. You can. You could budget that out easier than spending a bunch of stuff for one day. I mean, you could buy your Christmas presents over the month as well, but I just like the season a lot. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, if you get away from the stress of the Christmas nonsense, 
It's mm-hmm. a great season. Right? It's a good... Yeah. I like December. Just decorating and house activities. Right, yeah, if you have the right opinion about it. Mm-hmm. Put up lights and... And I like our new our new little tradition. With your little... Um, oh my satchels. Family. Yeah, I went to Canadian Tire and saw the same thing for $15. I was like, wow. I made mine. <laughs> yeah. So for the listeners, it's like a... They're supposed to it's be like socks. 24, they're supposed to be socks, but there's 24 little sacks. Yeah. They're small, a couple inches. They're on a string. They're and numbered. So we, we, they're numbered, so we reverse days. One day it's a little gift for Jacqueline, the next day there's a little gift for me. And when our baby's old enough, then we'll include her, right? But it's cool. It's fun. And it's just like every day there's just a little thing. That's, yeah, that's something that I grew up with, which is probably why I like the season so much. And I'm such an excited child. That it's like, <laughs> I'd wake up in the morning and I'd run to see what was in it. <laughs> I'd be like, can I open it now? And you're, I actually, you're still that way. In, <laughs> in Switzerland, they do it in the evening. Yeah. We make you wait. Well, we do that here. That's what we're doing. Now, yeah. But yeah. as a kid, my mom would let us do it in the morning. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was also the same on Christmas Day. Like, I'm pretty sure my parents spent too much when I was little on Christmas. Like, I felt so spoiled. We always had these, like, full stockings full of little little things and then, a like, just a loaded tree. Yeah. Not with, like, necessarily expensive things, but just so many things that I felt like it was epic. And there were three of us, so, like, it was still probably quite a financial expense yeah but i was so and like i appreciated every gift too but i was so excited i wanted to like get them all open <laughs> so that i could look at get them stock, so i'd be like okay who's next who's next yeah. <laughs> and then like, jackie slow down all this stuff that take I it have. easy i was that i was that child yeah we used to get we'd come downstairs we had these two we had two couches in our living room and on the couches were the stockings stuffed full and then like imagine two seats of couches full of like chocolates and candies and like little toys and stuff <laughs> like yeah my mom would fill two seats worth of couches full of like stocking stuffer st- shit Whoa. so that was just that aside from everything that was under the trees what time like did you wake up? Bonkers. I would wake up at like, like 4 a.m. Yeah, like stupid early. If it was before 6 a.m., it was go back to bed. But like 6 or 7, okay, fine. Let's Were they up? Place. No, you went to wake them, right? Yeah, we always woke them. Yeah. And depending on how rambunctious Christmas Eve was, sometimes they'd be like, no, like, fuck off. Go back to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's going to be so hard as a parent. Yeah. Stay up so late. Because, like, Christmas Eve, usually, like, everything if out. you have friends over and stuff, like, you party a bit, and then it's, like, wake up early for Christmas Eve, and the kids are always going to be up super early, like, let's do this! Santa's here! No, but you got to stuff everything, like, depending on what kind of parent you are, if you're, like, yeah. leaving tracks outside, if you're, like, doing the whole Santa thing, yeah. then you'll be, you'll be up till, who knows what time. Late. Late. 
we have this really cool it's still there at my mom's house this black chimney <laughs> it's like this old school fireplace mm-hmm. but it's never worked like it never worked i think they used it before i was born but it there's something wrong with the flu <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways it was the perfect santa chimney like it probably fueled my imagination so hard because first of all it was never lit so i was like it's not gonna get burned <laughs> yeah and then it's just a lo- like a big tube Won't that i dirty. imagine that he just squeezed through no it was dirty oh it was still black inside because it had been used. we weren't allowed to touch it yeah it but black. you've seen the santa claus movie he can just yeah slim up with his magic one time a bird got caught in it oh that happened at my house too it's like ah yeah. oh, <laughs> Like it was stuck or it came through? <laughs> Didn't come through because the doors were closed. It was just flying up and down the flute pipe thing. Did it get out? Yeah. On its own? Yeah, it got out. Wow. Somehow. Yeah, I had a bird come down my chimney once into my house. And I was the only person home. And I was like 10. That's crazy. Yeah. It was like in the house. I'd be terrified. I was just like, what the fuck? A bird! <laughs> 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 fucking bird in my a house, in house. I just Margaret Lord. I just opened the doors and was like freaking out. And then my sister and my parents came home while the bird was still in the house. <laughs> and then as they got there, then it freaked out and left. It flew out the front door. Yeah. Crazy. Okay, so rape statistics. Oh wait, I should say one more thing. That's a horrible tone. I'll say one more thing about the Santa Claus Day that is a good melding lead into the rape statistics. Okay. Not really, but so the (laughs) the December sixth day originally, I don't know when, what time period that this was socially acceptable, but but um, parents used to tell their children that this Santa guy would come and kidnap them and put them in his big sack if they were bad. If they were naughty. That's fucked. So they were terrified. (laughs) There were children at one point that were just so terrified. And I'm talking way back, right? Like, I don't know when. That's so I don't know when that was a a tactic. It sounds definitely like Grimm's well, fairy tale yeah definitely and it takes us back to our last podcast <laughs> with like lying to your kids and shit yeah and, you know and and we talked a little bit about rape guilt last time too and it's like you know sometimes or maybe a lot of the time i don't know people blame the victim you know and it's like you know <laughs> you look at your 10 year old daughter or something and you're like if you dress like that you're gonna get raped you know like you try to frighten your kids about bad shit and it's like yo that's fucked up i don't like that method yeah well when you're talking about that it's actually because the parent has so much fear i think so they just try and singe it into their children yeah so anyway we thought it'd be at least a little bit valuable because one of the things i said last time too was that i believed that most rapes actually happen with like friends and families or the perpetrators people you know yeah you know as opposed to like something happening to you in an alleyway or a bar or whatever like it's people you know because you end up in a trusting situation and they take advantage of 
or something along those lines is probably how that goes. And so... Or somebody becomes mentally ill around you and mixed with aggression might not even really be realizing what they're actually doing. No? I don't know what you mean by that. Like, mental illness is just so at large. It could play into sexual, hormonal situations. In terms situations, of the victim right? or the perpetrator? Perpetrator. What do you mean? Like, if you have an uncle living at your home and he's not mentally well. Yeah, I you mean... You know, like, oh, who knows? Sure, that's possible. But that's... It's not a different discussion, but it's aside from what I was just about to say. Okay. So hold on to that thought. What I mentioned last time was was that. And so according to Statistics, Statistics Canada, 80% of assailants are friends and family of the victim. So that's quite a lot. And you can imagine the other 20% would be something like getting taken advantage of a at a party or something where you, you just met someone, something like that. Mm -hmm. And so it's probably actually a much smaller number that are some stranger attacking you in a dark alley. Yeah. Like that's probably actually a pretty small number. Um, and I mean, there's always the sexual assaults and rapes that are not reported. So we don't know. That's always going to be part of that. I'm just saying that according to Statistics Canada, 80% of assailants are friends and family. So somebody you trust, you know, attacks you at some point, right? And um, yeah, anyway, I'm not going to read off this whole list. It's pretty extensive. But that's it. At least you can go look if you're so inclined. Okay, but what you said about mental illness. Here's a question. Okay, well, yeah, I have a question too. What's your question? <laughs> Is it a mental illness to be attracted to children? Yeah, good question. <laughs> I sort of think so. Right? It seems deranged. Yeah. And, I mean, that's my general belief, but I'm also willing to put that aside just to have the conversation because... I'm sure Freud would have something interesting to say about that. <laughs> I'm sure he would. I'm sure he would. Um, Stunted. There's been plenty of cultures where molestation is not necessarily accepted, but it's just there. Mm -hmm. And so some people have argued that there are plenty of people that have evolved with, with an attraction to children because it's, it's being part of our past and so uh, under 18 child equals under 18 is that what you're saying because no no that's not what i'm saying i'm saying literally a child because 
depending on um, development through puberty, a 16-year-old girl could appear to be an adult. Mm-hmm. So no, that's not what I'm saying. That's very different. Okay. Because well, because, because I asked that because, in a way, I can actually see like I can I don't think it's excusable and I don't think it's socially. Um, I don't think feelings like that should be acted on, but I can I can more easily understand somebody looking at and I mean right it's always young women they have this like. Like, they're, they're coming into puberty, and they look so, like, <laughs> it almost sounds gross, but just, like, fresh. They're, like, a young, fresh, vibrant female. Yeah. Right? And so, and then, of course, that's could why more I'm saying easily look at that and, and find it attractive, That's right? why I'm saying that those are two different things. Yeah. I don't understand looking at a child. That's what I'm saying. That's pedophilia. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Those are different. To some degree, those are different things, okay? Mm-hmm. Even though because I find neither acceptable, really. Okay, but again, those are slightly separate discussions. Because <clears throat> from an evolutionary standpoint, this is one of the things that an evolutionary psychologist would probably tell you. The fact that a 16-year-old girl is attractive to, say, a 30-year-old male, as gross as that may sound, on a biological level is probably normal. Because it's reproductive yes, potential. Yes, it's a reproductive survival potential. So, you know, at 16, a female is ready to have children. And so there's like a deep genetic attraction to something like that mm-hmm. for any male, even as old as 60 yeah. or older. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I'm talking about there, at least from an evolutionary psychologist perspective is something ingrained, I guess. Yeah. And if you're a sound human being, you can, like, feel that attraction and know that it there's a purpose behind it and it's not just some savage <laughs> emotion you need to act on too, right? But it is a savage emotion. But you don't need but to act on it. So you're right about that. It. But it is a savage emotion. Yeah. And for sure, like, 65-year-old men probably see a 20-year-old woman and obviously they're attracted to her. Mm-hmm. Well, so what? Mm-hmm. Right? And so that's, to me, s- somewhat of a separate discussion of what I mentioned about, well, what about pedophilia? Because we don't think of that, we don't see a six-year-old man being attracted to, to a 20-year-old as a mental illness. Right. It's just like, ah, come on, man, keep it to yourself. That's gross. Yeah, see, well, we that's don't what hear I, I wanted it. to clarify. Yeah, okay. So that's like, well, obviously you're attracted to a 20-year-old beautiful woman. No shit. Who isn't? Mm-hmm. Like everyone is. Male, female, non-binary. I don't give a shit. Right? Not most, yeah. Like a beautiful 20-year-old female? Like everybody's attracted to that. Are they, though? Yes. Most, I think. <laughs> That's your can I of worms. I just say it like indefinitely. Can of worms. Anyway, 
anyway. To me, that's separate from the pedophilia discussion because, like, as soon as you're attracted to a child, you're a monster, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's it's really weird. I can't understand it. Understand what part of what I just said? Just being sexually... I just can't understand someone being sexually attracted to a child. Right, I agree. So that's why it leads but where to does that mental come illness. From? But where does that come from? Because we've broadly accepted that all sexual orientations... Um, by choice or by birth you know for instance if you're born a homosexual we should accept you and I agree with that or if you're born heterosexual but you choose to be homosexual if that's your path like whatever your path is on on these spectrums that we're developing and discussing you should be allowed to do that And so, what if you're born with an ingrained attraction to children? Does that happen? Well, that's my question. That's what I'm curious about. I don't know. I don't know either. But it seems to me that sexual attraction is way deeper than what we think of as choice yeah but see i would i would think that you grow right as you become sexually attracted to people it grows and changes so it's almost like because when i thought of freud it's like almost like a stunted growth it's like a stunted sexual evolution where does that come from i don't know something that happened to you at some point in your life but why are you attracted to people stunted so age by that you mean that because you can feel attraction at a pretty young age mm-hmm. um, although you might not be able to define that and it's not necessarily explicit you can you still feel that when you're a small child you know you're six years old and you're like yep that person you have that feeling that's attraction that's where it starts not sexual well it's mixed when you're that young because you're not going through puberty but the attraction is still there right Mm -hmm. and like on the deeper side of attraction attraction is what are you yeah curiosity I, i want to know what you are who you are where you're from i want all of it that's part of that attraction. It's not so simple as mm-hmm. as just a sexual desire, right? And so you learn that when you're a very small child is that attraction. It's, a, it's also a curiosity thing. Yes. Right? And so that's part of the draw. And so are you suggesting that for some reason... A pedophile's sexual attraction is stunted at that stage and so that when they grow older they're still at that stage of childhood attraction 
I don't know. Because that doesn't make a whole... Well, maybe it does. I don't know. But what I think is that... Well, if it were to be stunted, why would it become so grotesquely sexual later? It's just well, like undiagnosed. You don't know aspect. I don't know. I'm just thinking aloud. Yeah. Well, it's a weird conversation, and it's it's worth having because most of what you hear these days is inclusive talk everyone every sexual orientation mm -hmm. should be considered but it's like well hold on though how far do you take that because should we should it all be inclusive and where do you draw that line and my point here is there should be a line what are you referring to in regards to rape or did you just change? Because pedophilia is rape when you act on it. So are you saying some people are inclusive towards pedophiles? That's <laughs> the question that I'm posing. Okay. Because when you're talking about inclusivity, the question is where do you draw the line? Mm -hmm. Do you include everything? Yeah, well. What about bestiality? Is that also included? Subjective. Right. Where do you draw the line? Because somewhere you should draw the line. Well, and here was my question way back. When we went with your question. <laughs> it's never... Like, a rape situation is sometimes not black and white, right? It can be so subjective. So, okay, so here's what I was thinking. It's like, because before we started the podcast, I was like, what are the male to female comparisons? And, you know, probably not as many males report rape, first of all. I would think. And then the other thing is, <laughs> like I think a lot of males, because think of a young male getting taken advantage of by an older woman. Are they going to view that as rape? They're probably going to be like, woo! <laughs> right? Probably. In their minds, that's not an inappropriate thing. I would imagine, typically, the average young man would be excited, right? So... It's highly subjective, right? In that context, yes, for sure. That's just Which one is, scenario I thought of where the woman is the perpetrator. Yeah. Because you always talk about these, like big mean <laughs> male rapists that right. I, right and it's a good point because one one of the things that statistics canada mentioned is that a lot of rapes go unreported yeah 
Why? Well, one reason can be that the victim may feel shame. Yep. Which sucks. That's not fair. But another reason could be exactly that. What happened? Did that happen? Like, you know, did this person that I trust and care for actually do that? Yeah. And how much, you know, it's like even, even if you fed the intimacy a little bit, you still don't deserve to be raped, right? And so there can be these these areas where as a victim you might feel like uh, like you've done something wrong Mm -hmm. but at the end of the conversation it's like no matter what you've done you don't deserve to be raped period end of fucking story but that that can still feel like a gray area yeah right it's like man what the fuck just happened yeah i don't want to talk about this I'm moving on with my life. Yeah. Or sometimes some women, it's like they don't st- they don't say stop or they don't try and get it to be over, but they're too afraid and they don't know what's happening. Or they're just too afraid to say anything. Yeah. Right? And in that case, it's like some people would say, well, she didn't say stop. But somebody would know if they're paying attention, right? So that's another highly subjective situation where it's like, hmm, should you have done that? Was that appropriate? Right, like... Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's so many different contexts. Yeah, but that's the important thing is context. It's like, how do you get to a point where someone's having sex with you and you've had, you've said and done nothing? So that, what, like, what do you mean by that? That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Well, what if, what if someone's too afraid to say anything? So they just let it happen. So for instance, someone is coming on to a woman and she doesn't say anything she doesn't do anything she just consents physically mm-hmm. that's probably not rape right but i like that I doesn't think some sound people like would say it is though well some people would say a lot of things but technically but it matters it matters where you draw that line and how you define that because somebody could end up in jail for 10 years yeah well that's the interesting thing about it right but you can consent without words and as humans we're perfectly capable of consenting without speech Mm -hmm. i don't have to say anything right to guide someone into having sex with me is not necessary you can tell you can look into my eyes and you can read my body language you're perfectly capable of doing that yeah even if we didn't know each other right yeah and we do know each other but we consent to sex without words like that happens 
you come on to me or I come on to you and it just happens. We don't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. And we're perfectly capable of doing that without knowing each other. So you can consent without words. Yeah. Wasn't and, that a Me Too moment? And you can, you, can, you can do that in a passive manner. But that's part of the reason that communication is very important. Because you may need to communicate that when it comes to sex, you're passive. And so if you've just met someone and you just don't say anything, but you physically consent, like you don't push, you don't try to get away, you don't do anything. You just allow the whole thing to occur. How is the other person supposed to know they're doing something that you don't want them to do? Yeah, true. Because in that sense, you've committed physically and passively. Or sorry, physically and mentally. Not doing anything. Yeah, that's true. So is that subjective? Maybe to that person, they might feel like they got raped. Because they're so passive and have no idea how to communicate physically or mentally that they feel that they got raped. But does that man then deserve to go to jail for 15 years? Because there was zero communication? So in that context, does that man deserve to go to prison? Or woman, whatever. Yeah, probably not. Right? And so it matters how we define what it means. And yes, much of this is subjective. But where do you say... This is no longer subjective. And obviously, if someone attacks someone in an alley and puts a gun to their head and rapes them, yeah, you're going to fucking jail, dude. Right? That's clear cut. But most rapes are probably not clear cut. No. Right? You get someone in a trusting situation. That's why 80%, at least in Canada come from friends and family someone's in a trusting situation right Mm -hmm. because then if you can convince them that it's subjective then they're less likely to put you in prison yeah that's what makes it a really ugly situation yeah it's just so heartbreaking because you probably really trust that person and then you would be so confused. Yeah, exactly. By the event, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> right? And, I mean, I've never been raped. I know people that have. And it becomes like a, like a lifetime resentment. Like, I know people that have been raped by family members. Yikes. And it's like a, it's a lifetime resentment. You know? And the perpetrators never saw any uh, legal repercussions. Yeah. 
well, but it's like how do you heal from that you how do you move on it's like you'd have to get an apology or it would be nice to get an apology some acknowledgement which is often not the case if you didn't get those things you would have to yeah you're probably not going to get either yeah you so you'd have to seek outside support some form of counseling or something like that mm -hmm. and then just try and navigate it over time that sucks right because you can't really mm -hmm. okay you that want acknowledgement brings, that brings me backwards a little bit because like i said if you're talking about inclusivity and it's like where do you deny inclusivity probably at the pedophile sorry <laughs> pedophile level because of the psychological damage you're causing mm -hmm. aside from any physical damage you might actually do right yeah if you're harming a child and yeah. taking sexual advantage of a child there's a good chance of physical damage right simply because of size differences Ugh. right so there's that fucking horror but the other side is the psychological damage mm -hmm. right a six-year-old is not ready for the psychology of sex Oh, it's so painful to even think about. Yes. But that exists. And so this is my argument for there has to be a line somewhere. And that's probably the line. Right? Like, you can't fuck kids. Right? You can't. Yeah, they're not no. even of childbearing no. age. It doesn't even make sense. Which is the next point. Right. Where do you draw that line? Because there are 12-year-olds that are childbearing age. Right? Yeah. But it's like, no, 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 he can't. Right? Like if you're in your 20s and you're fucking a 12-year-old, no, yeah, fuck off. You can't up. do that. Right? You're not allowed to do that. That's the fucking line, dude. You can't do that. Which we've already agreed, right? Like 16 is the age of consent. If you're any other younger than 16, no dice. Why 16? That's the age that we've decided. Who? Legally. Oh. In Canada. That's the age of consent. So I believe if you're, for instance, 40 and you're sleeping with a 16-year-old, it's technically legal. That's the age of consent. We should find that out for sure. Because I don't know if that's actually accurate, but I believe that it is here in Canada. 16 is the age of consent. That could be wrong. I might be conf I might be confusing that because I know that when you're 16, you're allowed to, like you can move out and you don't have to live with your parents anymore when you're 16. So I hope I'm not confusing that, but I might Really? Be. Is that true? Yes. You can't sign a lease, though. Well, that's the difficulty, is you can say, fuck you, I don't want to live with you anymore, mom and dad. But then it's like, well, what are you going to do? Where are you going to go? 
you could legally go live with somebody that's willing to take you in at that age. Because no, you can't sign a lease, but okay. if you know somebody that's willing to let you live with them, despite Fine. their parent, the your parents' concerns, you're allowed to go live with them legally. They can't do anything. Okay. Something along those lines. Um, but in terms of sexual consent in Alberta it's 16 years which I believe is across Canada um, that's the age when someone can legally agree to sexual activity and that applies to all forms of sexual activity um, so anyone above your age Wow. Yeah, like they're not fucking around here. So that's the idea. But then there's a close in age exception. So a 14 or 15 year old can consent to sexual activity as long as the partner is less than five years older. So someone that's 14 years old can have sex with somebody that's 19 and it wouldn't be considered rape. Yeah, but if you're well, they, they 30, have to make some rules, right? If you're 30 and you're sleeping with a 15 year old. Uh, yeah, you could be looking at jail time. So that's called a close-in-age exception. Uh, yeah, this goes pretty deep. This is a pretty long page. Because man. it's so situational, right. right? Imagine trying to draw legal laws around that. Imagine. Yeah, that, I mean... It would be a nightmare. The amount of court cases, probably. Well, creating any law is difficult because you have to make a piece of language cover a broad spectrum of situations yeah which is why we say things like if you're 30 you can't sleep with a 14 year old like that's just where we've drawn the line because you have to draw it somewhere mm. otherwise you, you don't have the line so what are you supposed to do with that and yet some people do well of course people are always going to push those lines there's always going to be some of those people. Okay, this just made me think of this woman I used to know. In my early 20s, I would just kind of... <laughs> I'm going to say hippie around. <laughs> okay, you'd hippie around with I this just, person. No, I didn't really know her. But I, was, I would just kind of hang around my little neighborhood, knew all the people that would come around. Um wasn't doing too much <laughs> and this young woman I don't know where her parents were I don't know where she came from I think she was 16 she might have been younger but she could drive so she was 16 I don't know if it was legally though okay. <laughs> so so I, I would kind of I guess 16 so she had this camper van and she would just cruise around in this camper van all day and just hang out and smoke weed with her friends and then leave, and then she'd be around again. And she was just this recurring person that I always saw. And I didn't realize how young she was because she acted so much older. Like for months, I, I thought she was like 25. And then I talked to a few people who were like, no, she's not legal. <laughs> she's, she's under 18. And she would go around 
and just like flirt with like 30 year old dudes Mm -hmm. all the time that was what she wanted to do so I just always kind of just thought she was older. And then when I realized she was that young, I, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so you'd, like, go drive around so with her in her fucking van or what? Like, a few times I hung out with them, but I wasn't a huge weed smoker. So whenever I did, I was so uncomfortable because I was really high and I didn't know what to do. <laughs> That'll happen. So, okay. Just, I'm not, so, just so that doesn't seem so hypothetical and, like, based on my assumptions. I was one time with her and invited into a threesome when i was like 20 and i was super high and i was like no no <laughs> no, oh, no no thanks <laughs> creepy hippie dude yes. he told me that story yes and yeah. and it was fine like they were totally respectful and i but i was so perturbed because i didn't understand that that's what was going to go down and they and just had happened. this understanding that that's what was going to happen because she did stuff like that all the time yeah and it's kind of like okay is there anything wrong with that Maybe not. She just popped into my head because it was a really interesting case where she was just confident enough. Well, yeah, so she's like 16 and yeah. she's sleeping with 30-year-olds. Yeah. And that's like what she's doing. She's out there just hanging out in the crowds. Yeah. She's like banging 30-year-olds. It's so like wants super three high a lot a of the time, super sexual. It's yeah. just what it would become, I think. Mm-hmm. So I was just like mind blown because... <laughs> well, you know, and it's like... But okay, it's an, she's yeah. allowed to do that. She is. So it's just an interesting uh, memory in regards to what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Because where do you draw the line? Like, yeah, she would just do whatever she wanted. And then the guys probably loved it. Well, obviously, what else? Would you do? <laughs> right. It's just so funny. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's like a situation where it's possible that she might wake up one morning and be like, "Why did I?" Sleep with that guy. Yeah. Because for sure, there's been men that have gone to jail in situations like that, right? Where the female has consented and then recanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine doing 10 years for something like that. You go to jail for 10 years when you're like 20 years old. Don't be careful Because she just Because <laughs> she just regretted it. Yeah, but like... So you regret something. Why are you acting legally? Like, that's a, that's a next level move. I don't know. I don't know. There's probably lots of reasons somebody would do that. Yeah. Or maybe parental. Yeah. Well, there's been situations where it's like, and you never know because I'm just saying, where like a guy has gone to jail and then after he's gone to jail, the woman has... And like, no, he didn't actually rape me. <laughs> and it's like, okay, are they telling the truth or do they just feel guilty that they've taken 10 years of that person's life? I don't know. I don't know. Probably both have happened maybe where it actually was a rape. And then the woman was like, no, it didn't happen. Cause she just, maybe she felt too guilty that he was going to prison for 10 years or whatever. That's possible. But it's yeah. also possible that the other thing has happened where she lied I'm sure I can only imagine that both situations have occurred man being in jail for something you didn't do yeah that'd be brutal that'd be brutal 
Well, we're past an hour. Oh. Cheers to another podcast. <laughs> Good night, folks.